What up, what up, what up? Welcome, welcome. This is the Fire This Time Podcast, and my name is Sonny Teray. And I'm Akita G, and welcome to Fire This Time Podcast, episode number 10. We back at you again with the heat. We'd like to thank you and welcome. Please remember to share, you know, at Fire This Time on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know. And uh, we thank you for being with us this morning. Yeah, we about to get that MySpace and that Black Planet profile back active for the fire this time. <laughs> what the hell? You know what we, we covering all platforms. Me and me and Aki, bro, we coming with the heat from, from here on out. You said MySpace. It make me feel old, Aki. Hey, wherever they at, we going to reach them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like like Aki said, take some time out. Leave a review. Share it with your people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, post it on your timeline You know Let's get the word out About this fire This time that we coming with And uh, so yeah we'll, we'll be talking about Episode 10 This is you know Well you know A little course, benchmark for us You know well, you know, it's 10 Episode 10 On August 10th mm. So you know We go up into 10 10 That's a 20 right there mm. uh, You know this week We're going to be talking About a lot of things Of course we're going to be Talking about Black August We're in the month We're in the month of August So you know We're definitely going to be Giving you something for that To honor those comrades POWs and and uh, 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 POWs and PPs, you know, political prisoners that's up in there right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the current news, you know, with uh, the things in Chicago and and um, um, a little bit of entertainment, too. We, we're going to give a little review on the black, black is king, Beyonce's black is king. Mm-hmm. And we also, even before we get into Beyonce, we're going to talk a little bit about the trailer that dropped for the Fred Hampton flick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got something to say about that, and yeah, like I keep said, we're gonna end it off with a uh, with our review, the fire this time review of Blackest King. We both uh, sat down and watched it yesterday at my crib. Shout out, shouty for the Disney Plus uh, login. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was definitely. And uh, yeah, we enjoyed it, and we we got some you know a lot to say about it too. You know what I'm saying? Uh, definitely a seminal work in the black artistic tradition here in New Africa. So, with all that being said, what we starting with again? Remind well, we're going to go with the Black August, you know what I'm saying? We got to pay homage to the Black August first. You know, this is the noble month of, um, as I said before, our political prisoners and prisoners of war. We want to always show love to them and make sure that they remember and remember that they always stand in the struggle for black people. You know, we um, they laid down their lives and gave up their lives and, and gave up their freedom for us, so we got to honor them. So you definitely want to... Uh, Highlight, you know, um, some events that's, you know, we have an event that's going on this Thursday, you know, for Black August. Of course, uh, hosted by MXGM National. You can check that out at uh, on Facebook Live at MXGM National or Free to Land MXGM Org under the events tab. Mm-hmm. And each, uh, one, each one of those is going to be Thursday evenings. Thursday. And you can yes. uh, sign up on Zoom or view it, I believe, on YouTube Live as well if mm-hmm. the Zoom fills up. Okay, then. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, in addition to our events, let's just run down a little bit of the days of August so far and some of the seminal events, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Black August was chosen by New African Revolutionaries for a reason. It's a month of hypeness. We get hype in August. I don't know what it is. Five. So, uh, yeah, August 1st. I'm, th- there's some information that's new to me. I'm, I'm on the Black Man Build Instagram mm-hmm. page. Shout out Black Man Build. August 1st, they got this graphic talking about uh, the assassination of Brother Katari Gowden. Uh, uh, August 2nd, James Baldwin, uh, born in Harlem, New York City. Big James. Yeah, Jimmy. What up, Jimmy? 
uh, August 3rd. This is one I, I definitely didn't know as well. We got to look more into this one. August 3rd, Lieutenant Colonel Allen Allensworth founds a new African settlement called Allensworth, California. Where the hell? I see, I ain't. So is he talking about our new African or maybe this is, you know, maybe just a, the term popping up before it came back into usage, you know, with our movement? Hey, hey, hey. I need to look in more on that. So yeah. I ain't know, I don't even know who that is. He's exactly. in Cali. It was known as the Freedom Colony. You know, this is a brother born into slavery in Louisville, Kentucky, became a black officer in the U.S. Army. And throughout his military career, he focused on the spiritual and educational well-being of black soldiers under his command. Hmm. So his dream was to establish a settlement for African-Americans to thrive outside the laws and violence of the Jim Crow South. So I don't know much about the success of the Freedom Colony or what mm -hmm. went down in Cali, but, you know, definitely some history to check into. That, again, that's Lieutenant Colonel Allen Allensworth. Allens Allensworth. Yeah, I'm a hell of a name, brother. Uh, uh, August 4th, Debbie Africa is born. Shout uh, out to Debbie. Yes. Shout out to the MOVE uh, movement. Is that in Philly? Yep. Uh, Thomas Sankara is also born. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Thomas Sankara is named the president of Burkina Faso. Oh, wow. On August 4th. You know, revolutionary president of uh, Burkina Faso. So my niece is daddy from. Uh, daddy, yeah. My niece is daddy from Burkina Faso. Okay. August 5th, uh, Nelson Mandela is arrested. That's in 1962. Oh, so he went to the clink for that's decades. That's Chubby Nelson. <laughs> Chubby Nelson back in the day. Uh, August 6th, uh, Jamaica wins its independence from Britain. Shout out to the my Jamaicans. Yeah. August 7th, uh, Jonathan Jackson attempts to exchange hostages for his brother. This is when they tried to, uh, you know, he tried to break out his brother. That's right. He, he, he did, yeah. And he was, you know, he was killed during that attempt. But, you know, much love and much uh, reverence, you know, to the memory of the Jackson brothers. He did that. Yeah, for sure. Just to keep him moving, August 8th, uh, MOVE, the MOVE organization in Philly, uh, resisted state terror. And uh, the MOVE 9 were also arrested on August 8th, uh, 1978. If you don't know about the MOVE movement, uh, can't get into it right now too heavy but you gotta check out uh, those Africans you know what I'm saying that was doing you know, Google doing it work you'll find it on YouTube for sure yeah alright now we're getting closer to the present August 9th 2014 Mike Brown is killed mm. Mike Brown is killed August 9th 2014 of course we know what place that held in our current movement moment that we in exactly and then yeah today August 10th Fire this time recording episode 10. <laughs> so, uh, that's to, what it is. Yeah, to bring it all the way back around. Right so, not around to that. I like that. Yeah, so Aki, let's let's go on. To, anything else to say about uh, Black August? Um, yeah, we got a, We got an event on Thursday. Uh, Free to Land, the story of Republic of New Africa, book talk by Brother Onasi, um, member of MXGM. That's Thursday on the 13th, 830. Um, I think that's 830 Eastern time. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, 7.30 Central. Yeah, 7.30 Central. Um, definitely check that out. Like I said, you can view that on MXGM, uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, or you can look for it under the Events tab on the um, Free to Land MXGM website. Um, and from there, Aki, I guess we're just going to go ahead and get it in. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it, bro. So um, some news coming out of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, this just happened uh, yesterday and over overnight. So uh, I keep going and give us a rundown what you heard, you know what I'm saying, and uh, well, give, give the people some type of introduction. Well, you know, uh, I guess uh, it popped off again and shot down. 
Um, you know, I know yesterday, you know, I kept seeing this post pop up, you know, 15-year-old shot in, um, you know, Chicago. And I'm like, okay, is that recent? So, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I said, I'm going to save that. I said, I'm going to get to it later. And then, um, you know, I got up. We, we built, we built last night. And we didn't even, you know, really find, you know, we didn't hear nothing about it popping off like mm-hmm. that. Well, but then overnight, it popped off, I guess. Black folks went, you know, downtown, and they got to banging on society. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we did a little bit of riding, and I seen some of the footage and stuff, and we was getting it in. So uh, pretty much what it said is that uh, a young man, uh, it was a report that a young man had a gun in the area. Police say they rolled up on him. A foot pursuit chase happened. Saying what they say. And um, foot pursuit chase happened. They said he turned around and fired at them. They returned fire. And he was shot. It was crazy because when we was looking at the interview, Akeem, you probably may agree to this. They didn't want to say how old the dude was. Yeah, they didn't want to say. Uh, there's some reports that the he was 15. And I'm also seeing reports that he's 20. Mm-hmm. So can't really say uh, right now the age. But what the streets is saying, what I'm seeing on Black Twitter, people were saying that he was running for his life when he was shot. Mm. And cops was laughing. You know what I'm saying? After he went down. The brother... Uh, is still alive. Yeah. Uh, so he was shot, but he, he is still, I believe, in critical condition. Okay. I think at the University of Chicago Hospital, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's charged with a crime. But, but you know what, though? We, we was also hearing that they were saying they don't know where yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely want to check He probably in. went to the hospital, but now, you know. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, and also the reports that he fired at the officers, you know, uh, why, why are the officer's body cameras conven- conveniently off? You know what I'm saying? And the, look, the, and the streets are saying this boy was shot in his back. And he was shot in his head, I believe. Mm. So, and you it's know crazy saying? because the, 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 the chief, she got on, the, 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 they had a sister on there, of course, explaining. The sister said that they recovered the gun. Yeah, they be saying that, and you know how they do. And so. of course, right by for the uh, this happened yesterday when the, the police press conference. Mm-hmm. So behind the black woman cop was a black male cop. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it, it doesn't show you right there. You know what I'm saying. Like they they're just gonna put the black faces to try to kind of lessen the impact. But they they said what uh, I guess instigated a lot of the uh, the more uh, confrontation. Mm-hmm. Uh, between the police and the community over there in Inglewood was the fact that within the crowd, within the community, there was a man talking about he witnessed it and that the the police took his phone. Mm. And uh, the community had to organize uh, uh, in the moment to get the, the man's yeah. phone back. Now, I don't know uh, about the footage on the phone or if the footage, that if, if it was on the phone, if it's still there. Um, you know, you never know. With, yeah, you never know what them how they how they move and operate, but uh, it just it also just show you how uh, you know the police body cameras is off. There's reports that a witness's phone was stolen, mm. and the witness is saying that the boy was running for uh, or the young man was running for his life when uh, shot. Another incident, man. They better leave Shot Town alone. Shot Town the wrong place for them to pop it off in. They, they, and they let them know because yeah. uh, they protest and they confrontation with the state didn't just stay in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's what the news, of course, is uh, reporting on. Yeah. Because uh, they went to they went downtown, Magnificent Mile. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they did uh, some 
you know, what repossession? What we what we, some uh, acquisitions? Acqu- uh, 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 pro- uh, uh, a appropriate, justified appropriations. Yeah, justified appropriations. Yeah, yeah I like that. I like you that. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's wild because you know it make you think about some stuff. Because I'm you know they like. Well, white supremacists sometimes just don't got no goddamn common sense. Mm. I ain't expecting them to, but, you know, you would think that they would think smarter than that. We're not going to pop no shit off like this and just shoot a dude in the back and all of it. Hey, you get what you deserve. You know what I'm saying? Hey. Righteous rage. Righteous? Overdue? We've been pinning, you know what I'm saying? We've been waiting to give you some of this. There you go. Uh, you know, thank God. And, and they better be glad. They, I can't even say better be glad because they ain't no teller. But if... The, if the if the uh, the the leadership and the guidance was still there with them street organizations, it would have probably been worse. And there was some, yeah. And we did we watched an interview of a of a young man. He was with a, a Black Fathers organization mm-hmm. in Inglewood that would that did some organizing on the ground. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mobilizing on the ground uh, as things was popping off. He was part of the effort to get the man's phone back, the witness's phone back. Okay. Uh, so there was some level, but as far as how that continued into the night, as people went downtown and was yeah. doing the looting, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's always a question, you know, of uh, how does an increased level of organization affect such uprisings? You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I say this too: there's an effectiveness in maintain. It's an effectiveness in having the appearance of chaos, but maintaining order on the on on the back on the backside. So you know, there can very much be very much organization up there right now ain't no way to tell if it is or if it ain't right now but what we do know is that the sentiment of the people is let us know that they don't like what the hell popping off up there and they damn sure don't like what they getting from them you know and we got all these folks up there in black face chief mayor mm. and all that stuff but they still catching that hell down there in the hood don't that say something you know what i'm saying that the the black working class is rejecting you know what I'm saying? In a lot of ways, these uh, the politics of recognition. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or the idea that we can join the dominant institutions of this society mm-hmm. and gain progress or that that's a sign of progress. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, there's, I th- no, there's no power in joining the big apparatus if you don't have, if like, it's a difference if you are, um, uh, say, for instance, a representative, mm-hmm. right? State representative. And the district you represent is majority black. Mm-hmm. That district that put you there, voted you in, got you that You got a constituency mm-hmm. that you loyal to. I ain't against that. You can work with that. A lot of these other ones that you can't even work with. Mm. You know, they don't they don't have that there. So, you know, yeah. You can't put them in those positions of power and think shit gonna change. And that, yeah, that's it's a really beautiful thing. We starting to reject that. It is. That's a positive development, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think we're becoming more aware of what what phenomenon we call it, what neocolonialism you yeah. know uh so it is a good sign and i think you know the failure of the obama presidency you know what i'm saying and our witnessing of that and some or, of those current and, and some of these current institutions black institutions that we have mm-hmm. you know that supported that supported mm-hmm. that obama thing you know yeah and by failure i mean the lack of will or even the Necessary politics to address the needs of the black community. Obama didn't hold that. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Even though he had a black face, even though he had a, a, a beautiful black family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those things did not amount to the politics, the revolutionary politics that's, that's needed, you know what I'm saying, within our movement and within the society we want to create. No symbolism. Yeah. We like symbolisms. 
The black people, we love that. Personalities and stuff. The image of a black person. So beautiful. I ain't here Damn. for aesthetics. I'm about the essence. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's what it got to be about, bro. Honestly. Definitely what it got to be about. Um, so most definitely, y'all keep y'all ear to the street, um, you know, with the shot town situation. It's, um, you know, unfortunate that another brother has to catch a bullet from the pigs. Um, but it's very much important that we stay aware, you know. Mm-hmm. To be awoke is to be aware. Yep, to be yep. alive is to be aware. Yep, and just again, much love, much support to the uh, all the young folk, all the the whole community over there in Inglewood and Chicago, Black Chicago. You know, there's a million of us up there, Aki, million Black folk up there in the Chicago area. Deep. That's one of the. I think that's the. It's them in another place. The highest concentration of Black folks in that area. You know what I'm saying so. Mileage. We got to pay attention to what's going down in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even as outsiders. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Chicago so, is a special place. Definitely is. You know, definitely is. Love Chicago. Gotta make that turn that right. Turn that right. But uh, but, uh we we, we, we want to go ahead and tackle uh, Fred Hampton or where we want to go tonight? We got to get we gotta get into that, bro. Fred we definitely Hampton, got to get yeah, into okay, that. Because uh, that was a... Uh, you know, I, I didn't even know I was shocked today. You know, I'm looking through some stuff. And I seen a post on... Uh, um, the brother who portrayed Fred Hampton, you know, and um, what's his name? Uh, is it David Kaluuya? Is that him? No, the brother that portrayed him. Oh, betray! I thought you said put, uh, like portrayed him. No, nah, nah, I got you. Betrayed him was uh, that that was William O'Neill. Yeah, yeah William O'Neill. He, that that character's played by Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, I seen a post on him, and then right above it, I seen that they coming out with a Fred Hampton movie. I'm like, damn, I've been out the loop. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. And so. Me and, you know, me and Sonny, we checked it out. We looked at it. and uh, The film, by the way, is called um, Judas, Judas Judas and the Black, Black Messiah. Messiah. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it, so, the, the name is fitting. Is it, though? Is it, though? Because, I mean, let, let's dig in a little deeper. On the surface. On the surface, right. Yeah. So there's a whole conversation, of course, to be had about a non-African-American, non-New African, or a non-African-American actor yeah. playing the role of Fred Hampton, right? True. Uh, and that's a whole conversation to have. It seemed that, that Fred Hampton's son okayed the casting decision. Um, you know, and it, do you even want to get into that? You know what I'm saying? Because uh, let, let, let's just see his performance for even, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. Of course, of course, I love me as a new African is annoyed that a white Hollywood industry continues, you know what I'm saying, to devalue the, uh, I guess, the, the niggas in its midst You know what I'm saying yeah, the, 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 the niggas that's been in its midst You know uh, And we know as African Americans How white Americans Given our historical relationship mm-hmm. uh, Face a, a certain level Of uh, marginalization Exactly You know from white supremacy And from a white supremacist uh, uh, film industry in this country. Yeah. Uh, so we we understand that, and but you know we don't hold that against our fellow Africans that get no. roles. You know no. I, I don't want to hold that against them. Uh, but you know that's that tension is still there. You know uh, uh, Hollywood is always going to go for what they think is the hottest, and also the capitalist. So they're going to go with what they think is the cheapest. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and I think they undervalued the talent. A lot of African American art uh, actors, you know, what I'm saying that could have played that role. You know, what I'm saying that could have, you know, but 
there's so much more to talk there's about. There's layers. You got to pull back the numbers on that. Exactly. So there's so much more to talk about just besides who who, who played for Anthony. Let's talk yeah. about a little bit of, of the politics of the film, how the film centers next to Fred Hampton, if not before Fred Hampton. You the snitch. The snitch. The Judas. William O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield. And um, we got to dig in here, Aki. Of course, we could talk about the trailer. You know, the, the film, it, it looked uh, dramatic. Yeah. It looked well put together. Yeah, it did. It did. It looked uh, well put together. So, I mean, we'll wait to see what it turns out. I mean, it's a film that we'll watch and review on the podcast when it comes out for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk a little bit. I'm looking at a Newsweek article, and um, it talks a little bit about the context for the film, and it also includes pieces of a Stanfield interview about his character with Now This Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Stanfield says about his character, William O'Neill. I play a character that's a part of those, that body, that government arm, which reached down and picked up a kid who didn't know what he was doing and made him kill his brother. Stanfield said of his character. Uh, It was really tough for me to do that. And I went through a whole bunch of emotional changes and realized that at the end of the day, hopefully people will connect to a larger idea and the larger love given by Fred Hampton. I respect that last part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it made me, the first part made me want to dig a little deeper into yeah. William O'Neill, you know, who's going to be uh, centered in the story. What exactly was his relationship to the FBI? And what exactly was his relationship to the Black Panther Party? Because, see, the way that trailer portrayed it, the, the trailer gave off hints like he was um, trying to, uh, you know, like he. Maybe even was regretful, but like he was trying to let them know that this is what they wasn't about and that he was manipulated and used. Even in the whole concept, even what my man just said when he talked about um, they picked the kid up and used him to portray his brother. Is that the case? You know, and we there's so much to dig into here because we know that the white Hollywood industry... You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which has a, a part to play in the producing of this film. When, once the film come out, we'll dig in more to the production company, all that. We didn't yeah. come prepared this morning with, with all that. Mm-hmm. But we will we will come with that. Um, we know that they are going to try to portray that relationship between the snitch and his actions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a light that is more sympathetic than what it deserves yeah. from a black point of view, from a black nationalist point of view. And so that, that's why that's what led us to dig in this morning with some research into William O'Neill. See, that it's funny because you, you got to think that. See, white supremacy, maybe even to some extent white movies, they're going to always try to... Um, they're going to always try to make a, bring humanity to the traitor. Mm. Because it's not their story. And it helped their reign. Mm-hmm. It's just simple to me. You know, they write other stories like that. You know, where they sympathize with the traitor. The black community, on the other hand, you a straight traitor. Mm-hmm. The, the, the world, the, uh, the black community around the country pretty much know what Fred Hampton. And see, now we know you were because now we know what was up. Oh, yeah. And we're about to get into uh, an interview that William O'Neill uh, did years after his betrayal. Like, what, you know, okay, oh, which was this, 89, 90? 
or I mean, uh, we got to get into it. Was this even a betrayal? Uh, but did did William O'Neill betray Fred Hampton, or was he for an infiltrator from the jump? That's the yeah. That's you know the definitely master question right there. You know, did did he go into this thinking that the FBI were an amazing, a great organization mm. that he wanted to help? I don't know. You okay, know, see. We gotta see, bro. We gotta see. So because you know a lot of a lot hinges on that question. You know what I'm mm. saying? A lot does. It, 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 especially if we are to call him a Judas. You know? Right. And they they put that out there, Judas and the Black Messiah, as if you know we know the story of Judas. He betrayed Jesus for the kiss. You know what I'm saying? He did it for thirty pieces of silver, and then he regretted that he betrayed Jesus and hung himself. Hmm. Right. I don't know if it's exactly like that. I don't know if it's exactly like that. Me so, neither. Uh, but you want you want to start it off, or you want me to start it off, Aki? So you want frame it? You go ahead and frame it. So this is an interview of William O'Neill done by Blackside uh, Productions. Blackside Productions is the production company that, that produced the uh, uh, documentary films called Eyes on the Prize, the Eyes on the Prize series. You can mm. look them up on YouTube. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very uh, highly regarded uh, documentary yeah. series about the civil rights movements and black power movements. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, it includes so much good footage and, you know, many good interviews with a lot of the names that you know. I think they got Fannie Lou in there. Oh, they got so many people yeah. in there, you know, getting interviewed. And they also got this snitch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know exactly how much he was featured in the actual documentary, but... All of the raw interviews, the full-length interviews, even the parts that were cut out for the mm-hmm. actual release, all those interviews with all these activists are available online. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It, it, you we'll can drop find a, them. Yeah, we'll drop a link into the description if you want to check out any more of these interviews. But, uh, yeah, so uh, as it would have it, William O'Neill is interviewed by this company. And he's asked about his involvement with the FBI and how all that came to be, right? So... The interviewer asked a question. Tell me a little bit about how you felt about working for the FBI. What motivated you and what you thought were and what ends you thought you were serving? Well, this is William O'Neill now, speaking for himself. In my community, the policemen were, I mean, it was the quickest way to gain respect. I mean, I think grew up wanting I think I grew up wanting to be a policeman, admiring and respecting policemen. Although I always thought it was outside of my reach. Uh, I, my neighborhood was not unlike most that grew up in Chicago. Most young people, we were very mischievous, did a lot of juvenile type things. Da, 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 da. Let me skip ahead. And so when he asked me to join the Black Panther Party uh, and he used terms, he never used the word informant. Uh, so uh, he goes on to say, so all of a sudden. I was working for the FBI, which in my mind at that point, I associated associated with being an FBI agent. So I felt good about it. I felt like I was working undercover for the FBI, doing something good for the finest police organization in America. Ooh. And, and so I was pretty proud. Now, Aki, does that sound like how Lakeith Stanfield cast William O'Neill as somebody who tragically accidentally betrayed his brother nah that don't look like that that looked like you came up glorifying the white supremacist structure idolizing the power structure that had power over you and 
and then you associate like you you associated yourself with the master like you associated yourself with them he talks about i grew up in a middle class neighborhood we loved the police growing up he lays it out here but i'm like like when he said that he was an fbi agent now like you what the, look the film was trying to cast it as he's trying to avoid the little petty theft that he got caught up in right mhm now how much of it was that or how much of it was the hundreds of dollars you were getting yeah. regularly from the FBI. I mean, well, let's say this. He got caught up on some charges. He did get caught up on some charges. That's how they snatched his ass up. That's how they make, that's how they formed yeah, a relationship. Yeah. yeah, that's how they got him. And and then you had a choice. Like any person that's put in a position to snitch, mm-hmm. Detroit, then you come to that master decision you got to make, you know. I'm going to take my time. And they offered him something that, I guess, in his mind, well, it's better than going to jail. So he goes on to say, and William O'Neill, when asked about that meeting where he gave his FBI contact, uh, Frank Mitchell, the layout for the hit on Fred Hampton, he said it was like, it was just like any other meeting. And he had been for months already handing over uh, keys and floor plans for the headquarters and multiple apartments of, uh, of mm-hmm. the Black Panther Party. And he said about the raid being planned, he said he knew the raid was being planned. Uh, and he said, this is quote, and it, I don't, I don't recall it being expressed. I can't recall any specific conversations I have with Mitchell about the raid, but we had such a unity of mind, hmm. so to speak. Our efforts were basically one. This is William O'Neill saying that his mind was united with the white FBI That's agent. That's what I mean. He identified with the slave master. It's not your chicken, boss. It's our chicken. Mm. Boss gonna get some new... We gonna get some new shoes. Oh, that's just I, let nasty. Me, let's just finish up this quote, you know, because we're we getting the point across, I feel, but let's just drive it home with this last quote, Aki. Mm. So then when he asks, he's asked by the interviewer if he feels responsibility for it, right? He says, this is a quote from William O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield. I'm not going to sit here now and take the responsibility for the raid, you know? I'm not going to do that. I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't issue the warrant. I didn't put the guns in the apartment. So I'm not going to take responsibility for that. But I do feel like I was betrayed. Let's stop there just for a second. He's blaming the Panthers then for the FBI aggression. You know, he's saying I didn't put the guns in that apartment. Mm-hmm. You, you you never felt like Fred Hampton was your brother. And then he said he felt betrayed by who? Exactly. So let's keep reading. I felt like I should have known the raid was coming down. You previously said you did. You liar. You know. He said he said we had such a unity of mind. I knew the raid was coming. <laughs> he's a liar. His so master lied to him. Then, then he said I felt like it was probably excessive. He's saying that the raid that killed. Fred Hampton and who? Mark Clark? Mark Clark and I think, what, two other people in there shot his wife? Only two people died. Yeah. Fred Hampton and Mark Clark. Mm -hmm. And other people were shot. Yeah. Uh, His pregnant wife. His pregnant wife, exactly. I I believe we're getting that history right. Uh, So he says he feels like that was probably excessive. You know, I felt like it was a surgical strike, you know, and I was really angry for a few days, quite a few days. I refuse to have any contact with Roy Mitchell. I might bad. I say his name was Frank. Fuck that cracker, but his name is Roy. Mm-hmm. Roy Mitchell at that point. 
uh, the quote continues, but I think he pretty much understood too. We got together and had a few drinks. Oh, y'all niggas drinking crown together and shit now? We got together, had a few drinks, and he didn't take any responsibility for it either. He said basically he didn't know it was going to occur at that point. It was hard for me to believe. So he is playing around like he was fooled. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's avoiding any responsibility. And of course, well, we we have found out through research that, uh, what is it, 1990, that he killed himself? Mm-hmm. What a cowardly escape. Mm. From what really should have came at him. Mm. That's crazy right there. I'm I'm reading this quote. It says it just began. To, I just began to understand basically how serious and deadly the game we've all been playing for 16 months. The reality that what we were doing just came to bear on us that morning. I think I think the membership was was automatically decreased by 300 members. That never showed up again when that happened. This man is trying to play, skirt both sides. He, he's avoiding accountability. Mm. The reason he killed himself is because he's so cowardly, he couldn't bring himself to take accountability for his actions. Mm. And those contradictions forced his mind into a place where he killed himself. I don't have no sympathy for him, Aki. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wish he got it worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. You know, now, like, that's a story. That's a story in itself of how, you know, we just got to be watchful. Like, that's people wonder why, you know, um, I hold the stance of, you know, of us being our own people. And I don't cling no, to I don't cling to no American shit. You don't have no working history with them. Like. They do stuff like this all the time. Um, this ain't the first one. It ain't the last one. Like, you owe, you owe us for that. This is, you know, this is crazy right here. And, you know, it's crazy how the media is going to then turn around and portray him like he was, a, like he was regretful. Like he was a brother. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like, like he regretted what he was doing. You, are, are we so stripped of our right mind that we can't see through this nigga? And see, like, just off that interview. But see, the catch is this. The majority of the masses ain't going to go look this up. That's why we come up with the fire this time, yeah. And see, they, they know that. Hollywood knows that. So they can, they can, they can technically dictate our stories. How our characters are and how they're portrayed. We've seen it in plenty of movies before, you know. Um, a, a, a turncoat is a turncoat, you know. No other nation glorifies turncoats. You know, it's less about how you feel about an individual and more about what's important for the community and what you do about turncoats. Well, yeah, well, the thing is this, too. What you do for the community, and, and then let alone from that. If we went to the community right now and or just sat down with anybody who knew Fred Hampton, or hurt him and asked them who killed him and they say well I don't know some people may know and then you ask him okay you tell him he died in 1990 committed suicide how did he live that long? Hmm. that came out in 1990 
I mean, he went under witness protection for a long time. He would have had to. Yeah, he did. And then he secretly returned to Chicago. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm not sure where exactly he died, but he was in witness protection in California for a while. Mm. Uh, so th- I think that that that's what saved and then, him. And yeah. then it make me wonder: Did did you have something to do with with Bunchy? What happened with Bunchy Carter, and Bobby Hutton? Questions to be. Cause they died in '69 too. Hmm. What type of floor plan? Other floor plans? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, those are good questions. You know. Uh, we know that the L.A. chapter was uh, infiltrated. Geronimo Pratt said that. And his involvement wasn't unveiled until years later, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think his involvement came out immediately. Well, from what I know, too, I know one of the people that was involved in the um, Malcolm X, one of the informants in the Malcolm X situation, was also involved in the Black Panthers. He he was also used to infiltrate the Black Panthers, too. Before his involvement was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't buy what William O'Neill is saying at all. Oh, hell no. You know what I'm saying? As, as far as this being some, somehow hinging on mm-hmm. a petty crime he committed from a middle-class neighborhood. Yeah. You know, when he's enjoying the payments from the FBI. What, he was getting like, what, 300 250 300 a month? He said that. A week? Any, he said any amount he requested, he was sure he could receive it. Mm. That's what he said in the Black Side interview. Because I'm like, shit, 300 a month in 1969, that's a lot of bread. Oh, even a week. I might have been a week. Look, I got no sympathy for people that after the after the fact, mm-hmm. you want to start looking critically on your actions. I got no sympathy. We got to make an example out of you, bro. Yeah, I'm thinking I about mean, Winnie. We talked about Nelson Mandela earlier, and I'm thinking about Winnie Mandela and what the rep, what the radicals in South Africa did to snitches mm-hmm. and their movement. Yeah, what do you know? What they did? Put them in tires. They put them in tires. Mm, set them things on fire. That's a uh, a horrible way to go, but you know what it did? It kept snitches out. It kept snitches out. I ain't finna go do that shit. <laughs> you know how they get. I mean, I mean, let's just be real. And I say like this, even even to the most that you wasn't supposed to live that long, not be touched. Okay, you went into witness protection, so nobody knew. We can't turn around then and glorify. Or bring some, try to bring some humanity to him without knowing who he was. So I'm thinking to myself, like, well, hold on. Did y'all see this interview? The people who did this movie? Then I, it sort of threw me off because, you know, I respect Fred Hampton Jr. He put in work. He's putting in work right now. Do you see O'Neal this way? Uh, yeah, I wonder how involved Fred Hampton Jr. was and... In the actor selection, where it seemed like I did seem some, I, I heard a rumor on Twitter at least that he did approve of the actor selection for his father. But as far as how much knowledge did he have, how does he feel about how it portrays the snitch, yeah. William O'Neill? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know how Fred Hunter Jr. feels about that. I guess you know he might be finding out somewhat with us. You know, because um, that that that. that it would generally probably for for me. I don't want to say what seems out of character. It just I just wouldn't lean in my mind to think that he would co-sign that. Now, of course, the movie is centered on Fred Hampton, you know. But the way the trailer has it look, the trailer could just be portraying it that way. Mm-hmm. But the portray the trailer has it look, and it's like it's centering on Fred Hampton, and then. The, the 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 traitor, and we'll see exactly what it focuses on with Fred. I feel like the more dramatic and more focused is going to be 
on uh what is it called uh the snitch and that relationship with the fbi because mm-hmm. i mean who, who who's the first person in the title judas yeah and the black messiah and, and and that sort of that sort of makes it like a that type of thing like how do you you could have went more in depth into the mind of fred i you know and initially when i heard about this movie over a year ago i thought it, they were going to go in a different direction with it i actually heard rumors that it was going to be David Kluge gave a weird-ass interview where he looked, you know, weird as hell and nervous as hell, you know what I'm saying, about uh, the role that he had done. And he made it seem like it was a musical or some shit. Mm-hmm. But maybe that was just what he was, you know, how he was talking about how he changed his accent to try yeah. to capture some of Fred Hampton, which I didn't think that... I don't know, bro. I, I thought it was going to be worse. I thought his accent was going to be worse, but then they could have just chose the best... You know uh, instances of of David Kluge trying to sound like Fred Hampton. Yeah, Fred Hampton's not an easy person to sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then too, especially if you have a British accent. Yeah. You know, Fred Hampton had a very his accent was Illinois got a Illinois and it got an accent in his own. Anyway, it got a southern twang to it, but you know. But it it, it Caught up quick with that speed of Chicago once families moved north. You know, yeah, what I'm you know what I'm saying. So it's it's a, it's a little different. You can tell yeah. somebody from Illinois, Chicago. Yeah, for sure. Um, so maybe he tried to have to he had to supplement for that. Uh, that that sort of drawback of not getting somebody from that area. Yeah, that would have been. You might have been able to snatch up an Omar Epps. That'd have been something right or there. Or Lorenz Tate, bruh. You see what I'm saying? Who, who from? You know what I'm saying? That'd have been nice. You could have got, but, but hey. Yeah, bro. It, you know that's how that's that, that's how that's how it go in Hollywood. You know, like I say, Hollywood's gonna go for the, the the um the who they think is the hottest and who they think is the up and coming artist. You know. So Aki, we talked a lot about Fred and that that film. I think I think we can switch now. Okay then. You know what I'm saying? Going to get into uh, Bay. Yeah, the Black is King. Yeah, we Beyonce, Black is King. Yeah. Uh, the the Disney slash Rockefeller production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty heavy. Uh, I check we checked it out yesterday. Me and you know, Sunday we sat back and we looked at it. And um, you know, I, you know, I, I guess I say my initial thoughts. The graphics was on fucking point. Crazy graphics. Um. Especially like that first fifteen, and beyond just the graphics. We, I mean, let, let's dig in a little bit. We talking about the just the African like futuristic type of yeah. aesthetic, but traditional it, aesthetic. It had a very funky visual. It was to beautiful it, yeah. to look at. Yeah, it um, was very attractive to look at. Um, I definitely. I ain't never seen some of them images. Some of them, you know what I'm saying like it was. It was really the like, way they did the colors the and first the camera. 20, the first twenty thirty minutes, especially, bro. Like that shit yeah. was special. It was. A, it was a definitely. Um, Put together very well. Uh, how you feel about the music? Um, the music I generally mostly heard already, but the music was awesome. It featured a lot of um African artists, um, some I've never heard of, and they 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 doing their thing. Um, you know, got to Google some of them people. Mm-hmm. Um. The music sort of threw off the whole movie, though, for me. Yeah, the, so the music videos. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I couldn't follow the movie. Yeah, because of the music. They, they didn't correlate with what she was trying to. I, I think 
I would true. say about a third of the music videos, maybe, mm. kind of did have a fit, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Especially early on and some in the middle, some of the end. But a lot of the, at the middle of the end, the music videos did seem like it, 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 uh, it, 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 interrupted the narrative yeah you was trying to piece it together seems like it. yeah and um, uh you know that it's a visual album you know what i'm saying for a piece of music that had came out before so you know i take that for what it is and uh but my favorite parts of it was the narrative pieces and the mm-hmm. music in the music connecting to the narrative pieces you know what i'm saying that yeah. was my favorite aspect more than some of those the videos you know mm-hmm. yeah it was definitely uh it was definitely hot um I know I, I did, you know, I looked, checked out some things, and um, far as, um, I seen an Instagram post. Um, it was commented by somebody else, but it was Beyonce's Instagram post, and so I went and I checked it out. And she said something in there that caught, caught my attention. She said, I believe that when black people tell our own stories, we can shift the axis of the world and tell our real history of generational wealth. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And richness of soul that are not told in our history books. I like I like a lot of that statement. I don't like how the first thing she mentioned is generational wealth. Uh, Beyonce don't know it, but this capitalist system where wealth, you know, has this value, is it, that system is crumbling. Well, the thing is, is this: you said tell our own stories, but you didn't tell our story. She told her story. You know what I'm saying? She. she and let's let's talk about the story that she told because I thought the story did have beautiful elements. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It did. It did. Uh, but those beautiful elements were too often for me corrupted by a capitalist, black capitalist type of mm-hmm. integrationist, seat at the table type of ethic. You know what I'm saying? Where we need to fashion our culture and and put it in a direction towards revolution and building outside and building something different mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to build a black version of something capitalist of of, of something yeah. white you We're know what I'm saying? And, and we've seen that our key we had to pause it you know and th- this is where the film really began getting disjointed for me is when jay-z entered the scene you know what i'm saying yeah. and that and that whole because it, it took a much more pronounced type of individualistic like wealth-based mm-hmm. type of focus for liberation yeah. at that point i mean jay-z's coming on the scene talking about oh you know what that sound mean the price just went up yeah and then the most gaudy just oh I, I, it made me gag just thinking about it sometimes hmm. just the picture of beyonce oh, at, yeah as uh, the mother great the mother mary or yeah. you know the, the virgin mother the, with the, the twins vir- in her hand and all the- of them with halos jay-z's not even in the picture she got the grammy in the picture yeah you know what I'm saying? jay-z ain't even in the picture you know what I'm saying? But he holding hands with Beyonce, walking to and from, looking corny as fuck. Yeah, they staring in the picture. That was so corny, bro. I mean, I, I mean, um, you gotta be, a, you gotta be like, okay, y- y'all got all this money and y'all that corny. I, I think that they was piecing it together, Aki. I think like they had the music and they was trying to, you know, you know, they after a while, I think they couldn't correlate the 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 the, stone, the songs and the videos. With the music. That's why some of them fit, some of them didn't. Yeah, I think that, and some of that was their intention too. I think Beyonce, not only did she want to have some narrative wedded in between these things, she also wanted to have some beautiful music videos yeah. with some with some unity between the aesthetics, between the music videos. And I'm not going to front. Now, it's not that the videos was bad. The videos was banging. Banging. 
Like, the visuals in this was banging. The music was banging. The music videos were some of the best I've ever seen of Beyonce. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to give him credit, you know? It, I, it, I, I told Aki this during, uh, when we were watching yesterday, Disney wrote Beyonce a blank check. They had to. And Beyonce spent every cent of it. <laughs> she said she spent every cent of it. Every cent of that blank check. She bro. definitely did her thing on that. Oh, um, for sure, bro. That I mean, it gave us some of the most beautiful visuals, you know what I'm saying? But you know, that that's where it gets dangerous. And that's that's where we're, you know, we're trying to pay attention to both sides of yeah. it. You know she I mean, she had some other things to it that was decent. Um, it, um you know, we mentioned that yesterday. It was family oriented, sorta. You know, uh she always depicted um you you would I mean, don't get me wrong. It was lady leaning. Nothing wrong with that. Um, our women are prominent in our culture. Um, but she also had family, a lot of family-based, you know, wholesomeness to it that I liked. Um, there good was, poetry in there. Yeah, but there was that really awkward-ass man that came on without his face being shown. And it was just kind of put in the middle of this, you know, biblical Nigerian Ifa type story about a, a, a black man, you know, find, I guess refining his 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 kingship or refining himself and his identity or yeah. stepping into his his king role you yeah. know what i'm saying mm-hmm. uh within that a black man comes out of nowhere talking about i learned how to be a man from women men taught me a little bit but my manhood was gained from women mm-hmm. and it, it was said as if it was supposed to be some type of virtue you know what i'm saying or, or, or some type of correct path you know what I'm saying? And it was so disjointed from the narrative because the black boy is being guided by both men and women throughout the mm-hmm. entire uh, film. I think she was just probably trying to throw some poetry and yeah, just throwing stuff together. I mean, I mean, it was just it, like I said, it was all sort of thrown off. Cord, it like it threw the. I'm you know I'm having to look back. I'm like I'm trying to make sure like okay I know the movie Lion King. I seen the first Lion King and the second Lion King. You yeah. know I know this story pretty well. Yeah, she. But see, that got kind of gets into an area I liked. You know what I'm saying? I kind of liked how the visual album didn't just retell Lion King. Well, you, you know, know what? what? It, it has some Lion King type story elements in it, but it seemed like she was telling a more spiritual or like combination story between like West African beliefs and Christianity, and it seemed yeah. like a very hybrid type. Like, of, and she didn't for me. That's why, like, I wrote down last night, I said she didn't give the full, full spectrum of b- blackness in this one. Like, why you say that? I didn't really see anything about black people in America in there. Well, we, we saw that fucked up flag. D- that's about it. We saw, and I, bro, people are calling it the African-American flag. Just shut up. Like, why are we putting our colors the RBG yeah. on the American flag. That don't make sense. It sounds like some coons made that to confuse niggas. And and it looks stylish. No, it was a brother who created that flag. It was I, a said, brother. I said coons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a brother who fillet, uh, created that flag. Yeah, you know? and I mean, it, and, it, yeah. it just shows the lack of real critical engagement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it, it, and it shows just that embrace of just the aesthetics. Yeah. We don't need to dig into the essence of something. We can just deal with the aesthetics. So mm-hmm. th- th- there is an aesthetic of red, black, and green; those colors next to each other. Yeah, you put them on a flag with the. You put them on the American flag. Oh, yeah. now black people feel like we're doing something. Well, I guess they try to. They like the explanation one person gave me one time was like, "Well, the, the RBG represents the African, and then 
the the, the American flag represents our Americanness. And I'm like, but the RBG and the American flag is in conflict with each other, pimp. That was the whole the the RBG flag was made as a response to some extent to the American flag and every other European flag on this planet. You're giving up the idea, like you're literally giving up the idea of self determination. Well, giving and up autonomy, you know, by by embracing the flag. There, there is the, the symbolism of it is worthy enough to mention. Yeah, it's the it's you know, it does colors signify the racial identity. You know uh, that that has evolved through time. When when Garvey did it, he said he, he said they were the colors of the Negro race. That's what we were saying. But then. when you make you, when you just color the American flag with them colors, you know what I'm saying? It strips us of our nationhood in yeah. a sense. It just it just makes us uh, African crackers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, black crackers. Yeah, and then you know they had to join in there where they showed the uh, the Nigerian uh, um, um, judges with the wigs on. You know, and and not and they do that over there. That's what they do in yeah. Nigeria. You still wearing the fucking wigs that the white man was wearing when he but came. I gotta say, I did like that she put that in the the album in, in the visual album, though. Yeah, and the, then she had the person dancing in exactly. front of him, pretty much fucking with him. Yeah, and, and they was looking all stuffy and rigid, you know. So I did, I did like that part. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, um, because of course, you know what Beyonce was showing is uh probably a better future than that past of us trying to look like white people and, yeah. have, and have white yeah. wigs. You know I saying? honestly I'm gonna keep it real. I think she could have I think it could have been better, but who am I to criticize? I am not an artist. Mm. You know? Um now on the other side I look at it. That was a West African money grab. Mm. You know, I got to uh, apply the fact that they're black capitalist. Um they let us know oftentimes through the lyrics and through the, yeah. some of the imagery, you know what I'm saying, yeah. where, where, where their politics lie. You know? It's like when you even listen to the songs, some of the songs, the songs were like an African-American experience. Mm. They wouldn't even know nothing. They don't do Maybachs. You know, that's not their thing. Maybe somebody over there will one, but they don't do that. But like um, I seen, I'm looking at it, I say, okay, I don't really see any... You know, she already has a fan base with African Americans. You know, we we built, you know, the new African community, we built that fan base for her. Um but also I'm looking at the artist and the fact of that them being black capitalists, are you now trying to exploit African artists? Hmm. You know, um there was a situation with one of the it was a brother out of Jamaica. He was um, you know, Getting on with uh, Jay Z. Matter of fact, now I'm not even gonna use that one. We can talk Lil Wayne. Mm. Lil Wayne talked about a time when Jay Z was trying to sell him, sign him. Mm. Said he took him out, took him around all these important people and all that shit. You know, gave him the wine and dine and stuff. But he said he only offered him a hundred thousand dollars. I thought it was two. Was it one? Two hundred thousand dollars. Let's say two. Right. I go high. Yeah. I hell, I give you a bigger one. Five hundred thousand. <laughs> and this is Lil Wayne. Right. Of course, what you think Lil Wayne do? Turn it down. He turned that shit down. Right? But you can jump into that market across seas and exploit one of them. Mm-hmm. Cheap money. I mean, uh, that kind of goes back to the musical conversation. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as a musician, I, I did feel like 
And I mean, Beyonce is not. Uh, I, I don't believe she's a music producer. She doesn't make her own mm-hmm. beats. You know what I'm saying? She, she's also, you know, relies on a lot of writers. Yeah. Uh, you can just tell by her album credits in the past, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that as a musician. I respect that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do wonder for this. I mean, the music from this visual album, you can tell that. You know, it, it, for me, it seemed like this was a lot of the sound of these West African artists. Yeah. Just with the Beyonce. Pharrell uh, mainstream hip hop pop touch yeah. on it you know what I'm saying yeah and uh, I-, I wonder what some of the West African versions without that touch sound like you know what I'm saying that's why I do want to go check out some of these artists yeah cause some of them was getting it in oh, the, oh, mu- the music was good yeah like, and I-, I ain't knocking the music and I ain't knocking them you know um, at all I- I- like I said I- I- I'm gonna knock more of anything to exploitation and it- but if I see exploitation you know right and it- that the possibility is there because the hierarchy is there. I mean, you're yeah. coming from a billion dollar family, billion dollar couple. Mm-hmm. That possibility is there, yeah. and um, yeah, because you can tell just how reliant on on that sound. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that they will. Like, and that's what I mean when I say a West African money grab. That was not geared towards the black community. Oh, uh, black Twitter. But we gonna buy it. Oh, we sure. gonna we gonna go look at it. But I mean, no, we gonna do it because. Beyonce is one of us. Exactly. And it's good music. You know what I'm Yeah, saying? it's good music. Um, I do think it does need to be in the home on one for, for the principle of the visual and the and the, the, the tracks. Like I would like to see something bigger, m- maybe even more planned out, uh, put together. Cause I think that could have worked. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna work for the sales. Let's see what it does, you know. Um, I know Lemonade was suffering in sales. Really? Yeah. Lemonade didn't do what the people expected it to do. That came from all the Black Panther portrayals and shit like that that she was doing at the time. Yeah, but, you know. But it was a banging. It was a decent album. Everybody said it was good. You know, um, it was just that it's a difference. See, we even though we may make somebody, that don't mean we the ones who pay them. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? We made a lot of these gangster rappers and a lot of our hip-hop artists, but if you go to the concert, you're not going to see the majority of the crowd be us. And that that is a good thing to say about Beyonce's music. I mean, she she gets made fun of on Twitter a little bit uh, by some people saying that she made Mufasa music. She, yeah. She's been making Mufasa music. And we mentioned that. I mean, it, it has taken on a more... I think she's w- jumping into another market. She's trying to take that... Not take it, but get into that market. That African, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, some of that West African music, like Whiskey was on the album, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I love that Whiskey Kid and Beyonce joint, you know what I'm saying? You know, because... Let me keep it real. One thing the white supremacy has shown is that they... Even though you can have a, a billionaire Jay-Z... Um, it's only so high you can go. Mm-hmm. And how do you step out the control of them? Mm. You know, at least if you think you can get out the control of them, or you, you know. And so I think, you know, I, 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 on, a, on a business sense, okay, you know, he, 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 it, I guess if he wasn't a black capitalist, I'd look at it different. Because I would say, okay, well, he going over there and he turning on African artists and they trying to bring African I guarantee you some of them artists going to be signed to Rock Nation in a minute. Mm-hmm. I bet you that they're gonna be signed to Rock Nation. Somebody finna get a contract or in the managed day. by him, yeah. or managed by him, mm-hmm. or something of that such nature. So you know, um, my overall view of it is from an entertainment sense. 
I can say I, I can say it was decent, very good. You know, um, I can say it was decent. Um, visual was on point, music was on point. Um, on the other hand, it could be some implications that come out of this. We this can be a gateway to lead to something. It may not lead to nothing. Yeah, I mean, if the album and the visual, if the visual album and the music was kind of made more in unison. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, like, yeah. It's like that's the only thing that threw like, it off like, of me, really. Just gotta think: what if the other two thirds of that film, of the film's music videos, you know, what I'm saying, were tightly connected to the story we were watching? Because that, that would have drew me in. Into, uh, yeah, I'm me, That would drew me in. I know that's not for everybody. That drew, I drew think me you could have totally did the Lion King story mm. over again, mm. the same way you did it. Bringing it into human life, creating those visuals, those worlds, and all of those different things. It's just that you would have to take... You did the soundtrack, so the soundtrack was going to the movie anyway. Yeah, but yeah, but Beyonce, instead Some of, of doing that, she brought in the, the Oshun. I mean, she called herself Oshun. Yeah. I think maybe Beyonce might have represented Oshun throughout yeah, it. Yeah, some probably, I mean, it has some symbolisms in there. You had the seven women with the seven baskets. You know, that can be interpreted as a lot of different things. Um, um, you know, I think you had Shango in there. Could have been a possible portrayal of Elegba in there. I mean, you know, um, but those things got to sort of see. It's those things that you add in that could have. I mean, I'm, I wasn't against them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could feel it, but it like it, it was all sort of scattered. Mm-hmm. And like I say, like one minute you'll be catching the story and you'll be on to the story and you meet you now okay, now matching it up. Okay, that's Simba, that's Scar. Uh-huh. And then a video come yeah, in. Spiritual awakening, you know, yeah. we rediscovering ourselves. Oh shit, Maybach. Uh, yeah, and, you know, and he, we, we stunt on bitches. We pull up in a cheetah printed Maybach. No, is it a Maybach? What was that? Don't the best revenge is your paper type shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, so it was like and, and don't get me wrong, even that image could have worked. But that image was it, it sort of it came out the blue out of the movie like th- that didn't even make sense, you know how they threw it in there like how did you go to that part? I mean, it, initially it was the black boy dreaming, you know, yeah, and then he started wearing the same type of eye cover as Beyonce that said "Mood." That's when that "Mood" song came on. That's mm-hmm. when when Jay Z entered the scene. That's when it started taking a more pronounced capitalist turn. And yeah. the boy dreaming about, I guess, being. The black capitalists and yeah. having the holy grail type shit, you know what I'm saying? The type of imagery that they would they had on that scene, you know what I'm saying? And, and that scene also featured the white butlers, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So but so Jay Z get out the car, got the white butlers and all that, you know what I'm saying? So you know it, it go to show you what they freedom dreams really look like. Yeah, Jay Z and Beyonce ain't got the same freedom dreams as a working class black person, you know what I'm saying? So so what what would an artistic piece with the same type of I guess support behind it? That tells the new African, like working class, like that mm-hmm. that envisions freedom from our lens, mm-hmm. not the lens of a billionaire. Yeah, that you know that 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 that's the masterpieces that you know. Some of them are in our past. We know about some masterpieces, but we also know there's future masterpieces that tell that story. Yeah, you know what I mean. To come, I, I don't think this Beyonce piece was that a masterpiece in that sense. No, you know what no. I'm saying because it uh, because it, it's it, a decent start, right? It, it is, you know, and it definitely. Ups, it definitely moved the culture forward. Yeah. I think because in, I think in certain ways. Yeah, that visual makes other and and no and I, Beyonce I, been doing that. I'm thinking about the homecoming like yeah, uh, live yeah. performance she got. Yeah, she's and, uh, her her whoever if it ain't her 
Whoever she got on her creative but team that's, is on point. That's Beyonce too. I'm gonna give it up. I'm gonna give it up to Beyonce for that. I respect people, even if you're not the one that is the the lead creative or actual artist in every in every sector of the performance. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. If you can bring those people together and yeah. marshal their energy and get them to believe in a project, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. That's a skill. Yeah, there's a certain type of genius in that too. Like like I say, Jay Z and Beyonce are considered the the power couple in the black community right now. And Only they, other power couple that I could think of that people may say is Barack and Michelle. And and they feel that some of the worship they receive is deserved. Hey, I, I'm gonna say it like this: if they feel that way, so be it. So be it. But I ain't go. I ain't go praise them. Um. Like you said, you y'all come from us. How do you envision that here? They center themselves. You know, like like how do you like nigga, how do you envision that for Marcy Projects? Southside Chicago. Just because they're so successful and I mean I know in capitalism that's supposed to for us communicate that they're virtuous and they're highly and you know successful people. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they're just as affected uh, affected by individualism and greed oh, yeah. and oh, an yeah. infl- inflated self-ego as many of us. I mean, I'm going to keep it real. Right around tax time, yeah. I, I feel like Jay-Z sometimes. You know uh, hey, I'm going to tell you straight up. And, 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 and people may disagree with me. I feel most black people are capitalists mm-hmm. in America. You know, just by the way they've been raised, brought up, thinking, coming in the hood, coming in the community, um, um, the hustle, the streets. That's just the way it is. Um, he's not thinking no differently than a brother on the street would think mm-hmm. trying to come up. I mean, uh, that don't make it right. And Jay-Z's also an older person and has been exposed to more ideas. You know what I'm saying? Came and I, in at the last major money grab of the music industry. And he also has a relationship with, you know, radical politics. He uses those aesthetics and, you know, mm-hmm. which makes him even more worthy of our critique. Yeah, in his position, no matter where he came from, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, because I mean, you know, some sometimes I think black people expect our artists to step overboard for us, mm. and it goes back to something Malcolm said, and I've heard other people say, "You ain't got no business looking at him to be your leader anyway." Thank you. You don't have. No, I mean, Thank like it's, it's it's nothing against Jay Z. Okay, Jay Z, if you're gonna make your money, make your money, right? But you leave politics to the politicians or right. those people who qualify. But and he doesn't do that. Let's be, and, and let's I, be clear, because I mean, he'll come out and say during the protest, say this is not a time for kneeling. This is a time for the type of collaborations with the NFL, the backroom deals that leaders like me can complete. But and that's the catch, though, because we look at him, our our people, we caught up in celebrity. They look at him and make him a leader. You see what I'm saying? So he can say something like that, and that can throw off a lot of different stuff. He may just be on his money shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it'll throw off a lot of stuff. Like, the, as a people, I think it's going to take some things for us. We sort of realized it with Obama. You know, well, damn, we had all these celebrities coming up and co-signing him and shit like this. And, yeah, we got a black president in the office and stuff like this. But now I'm out worse than what I was when he got before he got in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a learning process. I'm starting to hear that cry more. Don't look to you celebrities as leaders. Yeah, and they're starting to make it less individual. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't about the celebrity as an individual. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is about class. This is about systems. 
mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And this is about, you know, national liberation, which goes far beyond, you know, what one leader, you know what I'm saying, with an elite relationship with the power structure can do for us. Exactly. This is so much more complex and more... You didn't get enslaved... Grassroots enough. ...as individuals. Mm-hmm. You got enslaved as a group, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we got we to gotta return to that group-based, yeah. revolutionary, democratic type of vibe. And that's why I say, you know... Um, it's easy you take and, and I say this too I looked at a documentary before about African artists musicians and they got it rough too you know coming up in the industry doing music in Africa some of them come from the villages some of them come from the cities out the slums the ghettos just like some of us do um, in America and just because of more of the structure and things that's going on it's a lot harder to get your music out there you know um, and, and to get things done you know in the music industry it's a lot way it's it's like it's 10 times more different than us over here but we can shoot a video we got a camera we can shoot a video right now lay down the track and get it on and, and post it on YouTube to, by the afternoon if we wanted to so you know it's a lot and, and I'd say they couldn't do that either so it's a lot easier to acquiesce into the music industry in here too but then you know what it also is for Jay-Z, a source of untapped talent. A, a, a resource of untapped talent in a place and, and, and where you may have people who may come from those same type of um, conditions of poverty and struggle and shit. And they looking to get out. And then they look and they see Jay-Z, who's one of the biggest artists at, at one point in time Then you see his wife Who is one of the biggest artists Right now Yeah let me go ahead And give him a A, a, a low budget 360 contract You know and, and some people will do it To get here To get to get in America To try to make that break And get that success mm-hmm. So you know Then too Hey he, he he may come out And do right by him I just thought it's hard To trust Jay-Z Yeah because of his, because of his black, and it's, he he's had a history of betraying people for the dollar. Mm. I mean, you know, what I'm saying New Jersey Nets, Dame Dash, Rockefeller. I mean, you know, what I'm saying he got a history of that. So yeah, I mean, we don't talk enough about how Jay Z helped the gentrification of that Brooklyn neighborhood, right? Yeah, to get the Nets in there. You know, so you know, we got to be watchful and leery of him anyway. You know, now you want to get locks in your head and shit, and you walking around. You got the he got he had what was that the cheetah print joint? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was funky though. It was fun. Like man, you know, it make I wish I was I could do movies because hmm. I did some Afrofuturistic shit like that on some whole whole another level. Shit. You remember my man was coming down like the comet? You saw this shit and then the earth and then the earth lit. I'm like God, lay with it. Exactly. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z type. You know what I'm saying? It was hot, man. It was. Uh, they must have hired some real dope artists to help all that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, like it, it, you know, I got my critiques of it, but man, it was definitely hot. It was hot. It was hot, and uh, it's definitely one. You know, probably a few years from now, if not down the line, I know I'm gonna watch again. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it, it it was it was that beautiful. I want to see some of them images again. Definitely. I want to see some of them dances. Definitely. Again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause yeah. The, yeah. 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 Aki, any last thoughts, last words, you know what I'm saying, about this episode? Any, any Anything you can say, wrap us up? Um, I would say, you know, um, if you get a chance, go check it out, the movie. Um, keep your eye out for the Fred Hampton, of mm-hmm. course. 
um, stay on your discipline with the Black August. Remember the event we got on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, MXGM National. I mean, MXGM National, Facebook Live, or... Um, was it Study, Train, Fight? Uh, study, Train, Fight, Fast? Fast, yep, that's the fourth one. Yeah. Um, MXGM National, Facebook Live on Thursday, or... Um, every Thursday this month, too. Every Thursday this month, yeah. And, or, um, freedolandmxgm.org under the tab, events. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, you know... I would say peace. Beware black capitalists. Mm-hmm. Beware traitors. Mm-hmm. You know, and once usually again, the black capitalist is a traitor. Hmm. Yeah, a potential one. For a potential sure. at the at yeah, the very yeah, least. Yeah, potential. I should say that at the very every least. black capitalist is a potential traitor. So, uh, you know, I, some of the our conversation about you know the politics of these black capitalists got me thinking about you know just the revolutionary style of democracy that we're headed towards that we need. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 reach and defend yeah and I'm thinking about Almakar Cabral uh, the, the anti-colonial African theorist mm-hmm. and activist agricultural engineer from Basau Guinea and Cape uh, Ver- he's also Cape Verdean mm-hmm. uh, and he has a quote and I'm just gonna you know maybe we can just leave off on this you know what I'm saying he says we must practice revolutionary democracy in every aspect of our movement's life hide nothing from the masses of our people tell no lies expose lies whenever they are told mask no difficulties mistakes failures claim no easy victories and i think that's a lot of the spirit behind fire this time this mm-hmm. podcast uh you know we we want to tell it like it is we feel it's important to do so from our you know not just our political standpoint but just who we are mm-hmm. as people you know as black men in 2020 Fire sometimes is good. You need they clear the field with fire so the new crops can come in. You know? It's a purifying process. That's all. If you can't deal with the heat, you get your ass out the kitchen. There you go. Yep. Aki, episode 10 is complete. We wish you well to episode 11 next week. Peace. Peace. Free the land. Free the land. Free the land. <laughs>